Hello everybody and welcome to Sport Talk. I am your host Evan and today we got a good episode for you guys and we're going to start off with a little bit of football. So over this NFL offseason the biggest story obviously has been um, Aaron Rodgers and his rift with the Green Bay Packers organization and reports have came out that uh, it's not getting any better. Um, he's missed uh, mandatory mini camps and OTAs, and they're expecting him to um, to f- come to the team eventually, starting training camp. If he isn't going to sit out the entire season, but if he's going to end up playing, they believe that that will be when he comes back to the team. And the reason for his rift with them is he doesn't believe that they're really building a good team around him. And he believes that it's not the best situation for him and where he is right now. So he's trying to force his way out of Green Bay. And he has much reason for this because in drafts the past uh, two years, they drafted a quarterback really high. They've drafted a bunch of defensive guys and haven't given him given him many weapons to uh, use, even though he won MVP last year and has a great receiver in Devontae Adams and a good running back in Aaron Jones. Other than those two guys, he really has no weapons, and he's just kind of stuck. They make it, they've made it to the NFC Championship game multiple times in the last couple years, but they keep getting, uh, they keep losing, and I think he's just ready for his time to end, much like quarterback before him, Brett Favre and um, Bart Starr, all those guys, they were Packers for the majority of their career and then they got into like a rift with the franchise and then ended up leaving them. So Aaron Rodgers is just following in their footsteps. And I personally, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play at all this season, if he just sits out and makes like forces their hand, but he, he also could play and um, him being the former MVP will still obviously produce on the field even if he doesn't want to be there. So it would be interesting to see what he decides on doing and how it all unfolds throughout the rest of the season. But I've heard that he's he wants to go to the Broncos. They've been the team rumored a lot. So I don't know why he would want to go to the Broncos, but I guess that's a hot quarterback destination because Deshaun Watson has been linked to them too. So I don't know um, why the Broncos, because I feel like they're not that great of a franchise and they haven't, they don't, I feel like the Packers have more weapons than they do, but hey, I guess he wants to do what he wants to do, so. And um, another unfolding story uh, in the NFL, which I find interesting, is um, the Bears quarterback situation. So um, they let go of Mitchell Trubisky, who was their number two pick in 2017, um, which was a good move for them. Mitchell was a bust. He really didn't do much. He didn't live up to the number two uh, overall pick hype. And then um, they signed Andy Dalton in free agency. And then they drafted Justin Fields at number 11 this year. So so they have Fields, who's a young talent, and then Dalton. And Matt Nagy, their head coach, has came out and said that Andy is their starter, but he doesn't know uh, like he can't predict anything, but um, as as of now, their week one starter will be Andy Dalton, 
and Fields will be their backup at number two. So, um, I find this interesting because Dalton, before here, was with the, he was a backup with the Cowboys, and before that was the starting quarterback for the Bengals. And at the Bengals, he was good for a couple seasons, but there towards the end of his tenure there, he was really not much. Like, he wasn't, he, I feel like he wasn't deserving of a starting quarterback job, hence why he was the backup in Dallas. And even when Dak got hurt and Andy played a little bit, he wasn't very impressive and didn't show starting quarterback um, skills and improvement as, in my eyes, but I guess the they're set on him being the quarterback for day one because of his experience and leadership. But I believe that Fields will will become the starter eventually this season. Because watching him at Ohio State, he's become so, he's such a good prospect. He he's uh, his physicals are insane. He's tall. He's big. He's tough. He's got a good arm. He can scramble. He's really what the prototypical quarterbacks are this in this era. And I feel like it'll kind of be like a Justin Herbert situation where they start like the veteran older guy for the first like two, three weeks. And then something happens to him where they give the young guy a chance and then the young guy sprouts and um, takes over that starting job for the rest of the season and the remainder of his career. So I think that's probably what's going to happen. It's Andy will be their starter for a couple of weeks and then it'll move on to Fields later in the season and hopefully Fields proves everybody wrong and that he's deserving of the starting spot and that he should have been picked higher than number 11. So that'll be uh, interesting to watch once the season starts and hopefully the Bears get it right because they are in dire need of a good quarterback because they haven't had that in a little bit. Now we're going over to baseball, and there's been a lot of talk about baseball lately, mainly being um, this sticky substance abuse, and I'll get into that a little bit later. But first, we're, uh, the MLB All-Star game is about a month away, so um, I'm going to look at who's projected to be the starters and who has the most votes currently. So the starters for the American League uh, projected as of right now uh, is Marcus Simeon from Toronto, Shohei Otani from the Angels, uh, Vladimir Guerrero from the from Toronto, Aaron Judge from the Yankees, Jose Ramirez from Cleveland, Xander Bogarts from Boston, Kyle Tucker from Houston, Salvador Perez from Kansas City, Cedric Mullins from Baltimore, and the starting pitcher would be Lance Lynn from the White Sox. Obviously, uh, guys that are most likely in are Judge, Otani, Guerrero, Ramirez, and Bogarts. Um, and Perez and Simeon, they all have the highest votes currently. And um, Trout and Buxton are on pace to earn starting spots despite missing significant time due to injury. If they're unable to play, that will open up two spots to fill based on merit. And there's actually a lot of young guys, like the center fielder Cedric Mullins from Baltimore. He's having a good season, hitting 320. 
um, leading leading the AL in hits, extra base hits and steals. Um, so he could definitely get his way in there. And what's surprising to me is the uh, Astros rising star Kyle Tucker. He's 24 years old. He has a 127 OPS with 30 extra base hits, 43 RBIs in 64 games. And he's very good on defense. So that would be cool if he gets in because um, obviously he's only 24. So that would, so that's good for him. But obviously the big two that we're going to be watching is Shohei and Vlad because they're both one and two in the MVP. And they've both been electric this season. They're really fun to watch. So um, I think the AL's team with those two guys is definitely going to be uh, really fun to watch. And and interesting. Um, those were the starters for like that was like the projected starting lineup. Now for the NL, their projected starting lineup is Acuna Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves, um, Juan Soto from Washington, Fernando Tatis from San Diego, Nick Castellanos from Cincinnati. Max Muncy from the Dodgers, Chris Bryant from the Cubs, Jesse Winker from Cincinnati, Buster Posey from San Francisco, Adam Frazier from Pittsburgh, and Jacob deGrom, pitcher from the Mets. So, um, the highest vote getters um, here is Posey, Muncy, Tatis, Bryant, Acuna, Castellanos, and Winker, um, which I find, the only two that I find interesting is or is really Bryant and Winker. Um, Bryant, he's a good player, but I haven't really heard much from him this year. But apparently, he's doing real good. Um, but Winker, I have heard a lot. He's been a really big piece for this Reds team, and he's really gotten. Um, he's really been good on offense lately. He's um, he's been hitting the ball real well and definitely helping their offense excel. And him and Castellanos both have been real offensive weapons for this Reds team, which I, which is interesting because the Reds are normally not that good, but last year they somehow sneaked into the playoffs, and this year they might sneak into the playoffs. And I feel like every other year, like the Reds find like two, three guys that like are good out of nowhere, and then. They're like, oh, hey, it's looking good for the Reds. Like, maybe they'll turn it around. And, and then they end up trading those guys for nobodies and then completely restarting their horribleness. So hopefully the Reds don't trade away their good players um, this time. Hopefully they keep Castellanos and Winker and try to build something instead of just trade them all for prospects and then those prospects very rarely working out. So, yeah, the Reds are definitely interesting. But I think the uh, All-Star game this year will be really fun because there's so much great talent in the MLB right now that just having all that talent on, in one game is just going to be really fun to watch. With like the pitching with Lynn and DeGrom is going to be lights out. The, the sheer offensive like power with Acuna, Tatis, um, Acuna, Tatis, Vlad and Shohei. It's going to be real fun to watch. Plus, people that uh, also could get in, like Trout, obviously, and um, 
guys like Justin Turner, Mookie Betts, all those types of guys. So there's just so much talent in the MLB right now that there's probably going to be some significant snubs. But it'll be, it'll be. I feel like it'll be one of the a fun one to watch because of just how much talent is in the MLB right now and how it's kind of like projecting. But the uh, big, big news in the MLB that's been around for a little bit is this um, sticky substance abuse. So on June 14th, Major League Baseball, um, well, they're expected to announce, sorry, they're expected to announce that they will suspend players caught with any foreign substance for 10 days with pay to help curtail the widespread use of grip enhancers by pitchers around the league. Um, so they're going to distribute a memo to to the teams which have been briefed, outlining its plans to penalize all players caught by umpires with any foreign substances on their person from a widely used sunscreen and rosin combination to spider track and industrial glue that has become a favorite among pitchers who want to generate more spin on the ball. So this has been a really hot topic because obviously this year um, the pitching has has been kind of crazy. There's been a lot of no-hitters and um, the MLB is trying to figure out like why that is and they're blaming it on this sticky substance which basically just helps them get more grip and more spin on the ball which then makes it less harder to hit. But there's also like, they have like the rosin bag, which has been out for forever and stuff. And that's just supposed to like get your grip like good, but not necessarily like super sticky. So I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, and then like sunscreen, obviously most people need sunscreen, but I don't, you don't normally put sunscreen on your hands. So that might be a little weird, but I don't really know what spider track is. Um, I assume it makes your like hands like sticky, like spiders' hands are sticky. But players, a lot of players have really voiced out on this um, issue, mostly being players like Jarrett Cole and um, oh, and uh, Tyler Glasnow. But what was pretty funny and interesting was so they busted the Yankees busted like four of their minor leaguers for using the safe sticky stuff and then that net and uh Jared Cole said something about it he was like yeah we're like we don't use sticky stuff and then the next outing he like sucked and it was like really bad and everybody was like oh you must have used the sticky stuff but when everybody got caught you took it off and now you suck and then later he comes out and says that like every pitcher in the MLB uses the sticky stuff and like it's there's no real there's really nothing you can do and um yeah Cole said it's it's so hard to grip the ball for Pete's sake it's part of the reason why almost every player on the field has had something regardless if they're a pitcher or not to help them control the ball According to Cole, the best way to handle the situation is better communication between players and commissioner's office. We are all aligned in a lot of areas with the commissioner's office on this. Please just talk to us. Please just work with us, Cole. I, didn't, I know you have the hammer here, but we've been living in a gray area for so long. I would just hate to see players get hurt 
I would hate to see balls start flying in people's head. I really, I had a really tough time gripping the baseball tonight, especially early when it was windy. I don't care, I don't really care to be inflammatory here, so I'm just going to leave it at that. That's where um, Cole's remarks on the new rules. So basically he's saying that people have used it for so long and nobody's really cared until now. Um, which I do think, I, I think that has happened. I think they should only really be able to have like rosin because that's just been around for a while and it just reduces like the sweat off of your hands and kind of gives it more, gives you more grip, but not like an insane like sticky stickiness. So I feel like they should keep that um, out. And uh, other pitchers such as Carlos Rondon for the White Sox bashed the league recently, um, saying that the 10, the 10 games is too harsh, especially when comparing it to the league, not suspending Astros players, knowing that they were stealing signs for two years. Um, so here's um, what he said um, to NBC Sports Chicago. It's hard to see this when you're giving out 10 game suspensions for cheating, but you give the Astros no suspensions at all. So if Rob Manfred can look at himself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm doing the right thing, that's fine. You can't suspend the team you actually knew was cheating during a playoff game, that's on you. Um, so uh, Rondon threw a no-hitter in April, um, which is his first hitter, no-hitter of his career. So, but yeah. A lot of pitchers, like Trevor Bauer, said hard to hear the MLB talk about competitive integrity when there's no integrity to begin with. Um, Glassnow said, I just threw 80-something pitches and you just told me I can't use anything. I have to change everything. I truly believe 100% that's why I got hurt. I'm frustrated. MLB doesn't understand. You can't just tell us to use nothing. It's crazy. Um, Bauer continued to say, to be clear, the memo is fine long-term and it will serve to be level, to level the playing field, that is a good thing. But to implement it mid-season when, when for three months you've promised players and teams that nothing about your chosen enforcement of the rules would change this year, and umpires are the big winners here. MLB just made them judge, jury, and executioner. If the, if the umpire dislikes a player or a team, even if the pitcher is literally nothing on his hands, oops, sorry, 10 games, and there's no way for a player to appeal, how do you argue that to your hand? Um, so yeah, it really just sounds like most of the starting pitchers really don't like this, and they're saying that, they're saying that eventually, like it's fine, but Starting in the middle of the season really doesn't make any sense because, like Bauer said, if an umpire doesn't doesn't like the pitch, like doesn't like the pitcher or the pitcher throw it at some guy's head, the the guy can just say, "Oh, hey, he's got sticky stuff on his hands," and then you're out for ten games. And even if you had nothing, there's no real like appeal, or you can't say, "No, I didn't." Like they are going to believe the, the umpire, so that creates a huge problem because. Before we know it, all of the good starting pitchers are going to be suspended for using these like sticky stuff when some of them probably didn't even use it. And then what Glasnow said about his like getting injured, because he pitched, what do you say, 80, 80 pitches? Yeah. I don't know, he threw 80 innings using something, and now he just has, he had to change that and like take something off and then he got injured. 
and that's that's never good. You never want to see players getting hurt. Um, but yeah, it's just a really messy situation, and it's got the MLB has gotten a lot of backlash for it. So we'll see if they. I don't think they're going to change the rule back again. I think they're just going to leave it be, and I think they're, we're just going to have to deal with it for the rest of the season. And people are going to complain and be annoyed about it, but that's really all we can do right now. And I don't think there's really much to do with with that. So there's really it's just going to be a continuing issue, and it's going to be a story for a while. But the MLB has had like troubles with substance abuse, but it's mostly been from hitters using like steroids and stuff to make to make them like recover faster stuff like that they've cracked on a lot of peds with hitters but normally pitchers don't really having in the past gotten like busted for using substances um which i think is odd that like why now but i guess i see the reasoning for them because there are so many no hitters and they like the league like a year or two years ago was all offense and like super high scoring and then now you have and like one month like four or five no hitters or something crazy like that which i can see from a like a commission uh perspective is like a little fishy but i do think um, i agree with the players like don't change the rules mid-season you know like that's just just let it just let it go for like this season just say like hey by the way don't use this and if you do there'll be like like a or you can start them small, like, hey, like, don't use this if you, if you do, there'll be, like, a two-game suspension, or, like, a, or, like, a hefty fine or something, not, like, ten games, because ten games is a lot for a pitcher, you know, like, that's, that's a pretty significant, significant, uh, time out, so, I think if you were to, if they were to redo this again, I think the best way they could do it is either just give them a hefty fine or a small, small suspension and just kind of get the word out there like, hey, we don't approve of this and we're going to try to like get this out. And then like this offseason, you can come out with the, hey, um, we want to completely get rid of this. So if you are caught with this, there'll be a much larger suspension and possibly a much larger fine and just trying to outlaw that as best as you can. Obviously, whatever they do, they're going to get backlash from it because that's just how it always is. But I do feel like that the MLB could have they could have dealt with this differently. And as you can see from most of these high-profile pitchers, they're saying the same thing. And yeah, so it's just going to be something that lasts for a while, and we're going to hear about it for for the rest of the season. And I'm sure anytime someone throws a no-hitter for the rest of the season or throws or like a really good game, everyone's going to say that they're using sticky stuff and everyone's going to be like, oh, everyone's going to make a big deal about it. But yeah, my, I'm, I agree with players like Carlos Rondon because it's, it's annoying that you give people who are like, I guess, slightly cheating, but like, there's no proof. Like he said, there's no proof. Um, but then you don't do anything to suspend any Astros players who were knowingly cheating for two seasons. Like, that's what drives me crazy, is how Rob Manfred, how poorly he dealt with that Astros situation, 
and how he's dealing with all of this stuff now and how he's giving out all of these suspensions and like really cracking down on this when a, a team was literally knowingly cheating for two years, won a World Series in one of those years, and they did nothing. They didn't take, they maybe, they took a couple picks, no one gives a crap. They didn't take their championship away, they didn't suspend even the players, they suspended like a manager, but then he, but then he played with like, then he's on another team now. So like they, like anything that Manfred does now, I'm, for the most part, I'm, there's gonna be some criticism because of how poorly he handled this Astro situation. Because everyone's just gonna pinpoint that right back to him because of how badly it was handled and how badly he handled it. And that's going to be this like the stay on his legacy is how bad he handled the situation. But I hope that they decrease like the suspensions a little bit. Maybe listen to the pitchers and be like, hey, yeah, we may be screwed up with this and Maybe if we talk about it more, maybe get like a board together and kind of like talk about it more. Cause I don't think it's that serious of an issue. Like it's been around for a long, 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 long time. And like now they're starting to like crack down on it and they know everybody's using it. Like it's not a competitive advantage if everybody's using it, you know? So like, it's not like four or five people are using it and their stats are completely off the charts. And then there's people that aren't using it. Like most every pitcher is using some sort of sticky thing, whether it's rosin bag or that spider grip or whatever. But like most, like there's literally rosin bags on the mound for them to use. Like that's not cheating if they're there for them. But I just feel it doesn't, if everybody's using it, there's no real like competitive advantage. Like then, cause players such as like Jared Cole, uh, Jacob DeGrom, Bauer, all those guys, like, they're good pitchers, and we're not gonna say, oh, they're only good pitchers because they use sticky stuff. No, they're just talented and really good pitchers. So, yeah, I think they just, it's just gonna be here for a while, and hopefully they figure it out, and they figure it out the right, the right way. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on that issue. But, um, another, uh, interesting thing is the Tampa Bay Rays they kind of they haven't really came out of nowhere but they did make it to the World Series a couple years ago but nobody thought that it was for real they thought it was just like a fluke but in in May they went 22 and 5 and they've been on a hot streak since then and they're currently number one atop the power rankings in uh, Major League Baseball uh, second to the White Sox so that's going to be a fun, like, back and forth between the White Sox and Rays for this, this season. So, yeah, it's just they're really clicking right now, and we'll see how long that lasts. And in the in the month of May, they won 16 out of their last 17, and they outscored their opponents 119-54. to So they've really just been shutting the opponents down and really clicking on offense. So, um Hey, they can make it back to the World Series, you never know. But now we're going to go into basketball, which is my favorite. And we got a couple topics to talk about. Uh, first, we'll talk about the Kemba Walker trade. So if you didn't know, um, the Boston Celtics yesterday 
traded um, all-star point guard Kemba Walker, the 16th pick in this year's draft, and a 2025 second-round pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick. So, um, most people are saying that the Thunder obviously won this trade because they got Kemba Walker, who's an all-star point guard, and the 16th pick, which is like two picks out of the lottery, so that's still a fairly good pick. And then the uh, Celtics got like an old center with a lot of money, Brown in a second. But I think I can see both ways for this team, for each team. So for the Celtics standpoint, their, their biggest thing was Walker's availability. He's had a lot of knee issues lately and hasn't really been on the floor. And they're paying him about $36 million in a season for the next for this year. And then he has a player option and like one or two years for about $37 million. And so if he's not going to be consistently on the court and you're paying $36 million, that that's just not good. And even when he was on the court, he wasn't really that much of a difference maker, you know? Like he he was definitely a shell of himself from when he was in Charlotte. So I think they've, with Brad Stevens being the new um, higher up there and as the general manager, I think he, his first line of business was looking to get Kemba out of Boston. Because um, from, from what I've heard, they're there was a lot of tension in between those two. And so I think this was just the best trade he could find. He, um, but because of Walker's big contract, they had to get rid of a pick, which I don't think is that big of a deal because the Celtics have a lot of a lot of guys that can play. And I think adding another young guy is really not gonna help them. I think they need more veteran guys, more proven people. So I think getting rid of a pick is not that big of a deal. And then they're getting back Al Horford, who's a good passer, who was really good at this with the Celtics during his time there. He's a little bit older now, but his contract is definitely better than Walker's. It's not great, but it's definitely better. And then they get a young center in Moses Brown, who at the end of this year was really proving to be a really good young prospect. Um, he's and seeing a rebounder and uh, shot blocker, which is what they need. But I don't know if he's going to. I doubt he starts over Robert Williams. He'll probably be the second or third guy for them. And then they got a 2023 second round pick, so that'll help. But they just, the Thunder really just did this for the pick. Like, Presti's pick happy. He just tries to get every single pick he can. Um, and last time that they did trade for like a veteran point guard that was quote unquote washed and Chris and Chris Paul that ended pretty well as they made the playoffs and then they then flipped Paul for another first round pick and some players. So I think that's probably what they do with Kimba Walker. If Kimba is, if Kimba can produce how Chris Paul did and kind of have a bounce back season being the second guy for them um, and having the ball in his hands a lot more than he would in Boston, I think they'll, they'll probably trade him at the end of the season although it's going to be pretty hard due to the amount of money he is getting paid but chris paul is getting paid even more and they managed to do that one so i feel like this will be another one-year rental and then flip them for more picks and more players so 
but I think it was a solid trade. I was really surprised when I saw it because I was definitely not expecting it this early in the season, and I, I would have never expected them to trade him to the uh, Thunder, but looking at the deal, it seems seems pretty solid for both teams, and I could see I could see why both teams would do it. And this just gives Tatum and Brown um, for the Celtics the keys completely. Like, obviously, I think they need another star to get to that next level and contend for a championship. But I think that star was not Kemba. They need one better than Kemba. So I think they're just going to have to try to find, like, a decent point guard and free agency or via trade this season because they don't have enough money to go out for a big guy. And then just hope that they can pull off some miracle trade for some difference maker at the point guard position. So they're going to have a hole at point guard for a little bit, but it'll be fine because Tatum and Brown are there and they're not really going to miss much. Um, now to the NBA playoffs. We had a series ending yesterday and it was the Clippers Jazz series. The Clippers won in five. Which is very surprising to some because the Jazz were the one seed. They were dominant all season. They were up 2-0 in the series and then ended up losing four straight. And um, yeah, and they just collapsed completely. Um, Kawhi didn't even, hasn't even played the last two games. He he hurt his knee and he he didn't play in game five or six, and so we thought when Kawhi was done, we were like, oh, the Clippers are done. They couldn't even they made it to seven with the Mavericks. The Jazz have looked dominant all season. Like there's no way that the Clippers are going to win this series. And Paul George said, told us to shut up. He went. Nuts the last couple games. He had 28 points this game and uh, over 30 points the last game. And he just sh showed up and the Jazz really didn't. I mean, Mitchell did. Mitchell had 39 today or yesterday. And he was he was definitely good. But their Jazz were just kind of banged up. Uh, like Conley played, but he wasn't 100% because he had his hamstring. Mitchell's knee was bothering him a lot. You could definitely tell. Um, but in this game six, the Clippers really just took Rudy Gobert out of the game completely. Um, if you didn't know, he's he got named Defensive Player of the Year last week or a couple days ago. So they really just t moved him from where he's comfortable inside the paint and spread him out to the outside and just beat him off the dribble every time. And he really couldn't do much. But the biggest difference maker for the Clippers in this last game was Terrence Mann, who finished with 39 points. Um, he had 20 in the third quarter, which led them, which definitely propelled them to winning because they were down by 26, and then he had, and then he had that 20, and then they were only down by a couple, and then they ended up winning by, they ended up winning 131 to 119. So, yeah, they outscored, they scored 81 points in the second half, and the um, Jazz ended up scoring 72 in the first half. So they outscored him second half, Jazz outscored him first half. It was just a crazy game. And um, this is the second year in a row that the Jazz have just collapsed. You know, like they've had 
like last year they were up three to one lost three straight and then ended up losing to the nuggets and then this year they're up 2-0 and lost four straight and ended up losing to the clippers so i'm not gonna say that they need to like change a bunch of stuff like blow it up because they really can't but i feel like they had a successful season but they're just really disappointed that they couldn't make it to the uh western conference finals um but yeah so i don't know i don't know if quinn schneider might be out or or if they're going to maybe do some retooling or what's going what's going to go on but Blowing significant leads in back-to-back seasons is not a great sign for this team. Um, obviously, they have Donovan Mitchell, who's just insane. Van Gobert, who's a defensive guy. Clarkson broke out this year. Conley was good if he plays. So, they might have to make some moves. I'm not sure what moves that is, but... Yeah, so, that sets us up for a Phoenix Clipper... Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Clippers... Um, Western Conference Finals, which is interesting. Um, the, this is the first time that the Clippers have made it to the Western Conference Finals in 50 years, so that's congrats to them. Uh, that's really cool that they finally broke that hump. Uh, let's just hope that Chris Paul is able to play in that series. I, I feel like he will be because uh, he's dealing with some uh, COVID protocols, and then uh, hopefully Kawhi is healthy because if if both teams are fully healthy, it's going to be a really fun series to watch. And uh, my pick's going to be the uh, Suns. I think the Suns can go all the way and make it to the the finals this year. They're my they're my uh, pick for this season. So yeah, it's just the playoffs have been really fun. Um, honestly, uh, they started off real slow, but they've kind of picked up a little bit. We have in the in the East we have two game sevens now, uh, with both series being tied three three. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, so yeah, it's really good. These next couple days is going to be really interesting, and we'll see who who prevails. It's looking like on the Nets Bucks side, the Bucks have all the momentum right now. So let's see if they can close that out. That would be real big if the Nets lose. Um, and then the Hawks and Sixers. I don't know if the Sixers Sixers are going to pull it off, um, but they did beat the Hawks yesterday. So yeah, it's just going to be real fun, and I'm excited for these conference finals and then eventually the finals. But something that has come up due, um, in the playoffs is the impact on injuries this year. Um, a lot, a lot of teams have had significant injuries. And a lot of stars have had significant injury. Players such as Kyrie, he hurt his ankle. Uh, he's out for the rest of this series, and he will probably be doubtful for most of the next series if they advance. And even before him, James Harden was out for almost the entire series, and then he just came back like a game or two ago. Kawhi with his knee, um, he was he was out for the remainder of the Jazz Clippers series. And we don't know if he's going to be 100%. Chris Paul with COVID protocols. He might miss a couple games. Um, and there's just been a lot of injuries this series, or this season, and in the playoffs. And 
I think it's really attached to the to the shortened season. I really think that's really really has screwed stuff up, and we didn't really see it much in the beginning. But I think as the season progresses and progresses, the, their bodies wear down, and then there's just nothing that we can do. But injuries are inevitable. Like we can have the best trainers and everything you can do as much as you can to get them back in time, but. There's no, the, the injuries are part of the game. There's nothing you can do to stop them. It's just unfortunate that these injuries have happened to um, all these star players. Um, but LeBron had something to say about this. Uh, uh, he tweeted, he said, they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which is ultimately the product and benefit of our game. These injuries isn't just part of the game. It's it's the lack of pure rim rest. Rest before starting back up. Eight possible, possibly nine All-Stars have missed this playoffs. Has missed playoff games, most in league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our favorite players. It's insane. If there, if there's one person that know about the body and how it works all year round, it's me. I speak for the health of all our players and I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans. Wish you guys were seeing all your favorite player, all your favorite guys right now. Um, so, yeah, that's. I mean, LeBron kind of summed it up. He said that um, it's basically because of the rest and that there's not a lot of they didn't really get much rest. And he said that nine All Stars have been have missed playoff games which is the most in league history, which is crazy. And yeah, it's really just hurts the fans because if you want to go see your favorite player and then they're not playing for injury purposes, injury reasons, then that just kind of like derails the whole experience because you paid all that money to get there to watch your favorite player and then for him not to play. It's just really disappointing. But I'm hoping that after a significant time of rest and um, a little time off this off season, Players will uh, they're get fully rested and any like nagging injuries they'll get fully healed and hopefully everybody will just come back 100% and then we'll have fans back 100% hopefully and every it'll just be like normal again and it'll it'll really help help the game because they've lost a lot of money these last couple years and I think with full capacity fans and fully healthy players they'll start getting some of that revenue back up, which I know is important for them. And yeah, it just it just really sucks to see all these big players getting hurt. And yeah, like LeBron pretty much said it perfectly for them. You feel sorry for the fans because they can't watch their guys. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully we don't have any more major injuries on these next two rounds. Hopefully, for the most part, everybody stays as healthy as they can. And I really hope we just have uh, fun and competitive Western Conference Finals, Eastern Conference Finals, and then a really fun uh, NBA Finals. So that is all I have for you guys today. Thank you all for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. Um, check out my YouTube Hoops Zone. And yeah, I will see you guys in the next one. Peace.